Hello, welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, Questioning Jesus. This series provides honest answers to some of the most important questions people ask regarding the truth of Jesus and Christianity. Today's text is going to come out of Matthew chapter 23. We could read the entire chapter actually because it all fits together as a unit, but in the interest of time, I'm just going to read the first 13 verses, and I would encourage you to read it on your own later to get the full picture of what Jesus is saying. Matthew chapter 23, we look at the first 13 verses. All the verses will be up here on the screen. They're also in the uh, fold-out you've got, or you can follow along in your Bible. Matthew 23, hear now the words of the Holy God. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels of their garments long. They love the places of honor at banquets and the most important seat in the synagogue. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you only have one master, and you are all brothers. And Do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the kingdom of God in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. If you've been paying attention to the news this week, uh, you saw the conviction of Bill Cosby for... Uh, sexually assaulting, the actual charges were against one woman, but there have been a whole number of women who came forth. The young kids won't quite understand, but if you're a little bit older, you remember Bill Cosby via his TV show in the 80s was kind of the ultimate husband and dad that people paid attention to. And so it's been a real shock to see that his public persona and what was going on behind the scenes were very different from one another. But if you've been a Christian for a while, you realize the same thing is true, not only of an entertainer like Bill Cosby, the same thing has happened in the church many times. I remember in the 1980s, there was a whole series of scandals by televangelists where they were found doing all kinds of uh, inappropriate things with money, guys being involved with prostitutes and, and things like that. Some of them ended up in jail. It was a terrible scandal. And then that was followed in the 90s and early 2000s by the Roman Catholic pedophile priest and the cover-up that came out of that where they had known this was going on but in order to try and protect reputation it had been covered up if you've been paying attention actually uh, no less than three or four major evangelical pastors have recently had to step down for sexual scandals just in the last six months or so and i'm talking some of them pastor churches of 25 or 30,000 people, people who it had appeared had made it to the end of their time in ministry uh, without scandal, and now they've been caught up. So all of these are examples where there was true hypocrisy. But one of the problems when we deal with the question of hypocrisy is I remember another conversation. I came home a number of years ago, opened my computer, and a friend of mine had posted on Facebook regarding what hypocrites all Christians were because Christians were speaking out on issues of sexuality they said but they weren't taking care of the poor something they said Jesus never spoke on on all this stuff that they want to talk about but in fact he did tell them to take care of the poor and they're not doing that now the irony of the thing is I had just walked home from lighthouse shelter where I was with a group of Christians who were feeding the poor that's literally what we were doing because our church does that every month 
And so I actually engaged in a little conversation with the person and said, that's really funny because I just came home from there and I just looked at the schedule at Lighthouse Shelter and guess who feeds the poor there every single night? It's actually churches. It's Christians. Every night, nobody would be there doing it. Your group's not down there doing it, but our group is. And by the way, Jesus did actually speak about all these things that you're upset about. So this points out what kind of makes it difficult is when we talk about this question of hypocrisy, there is real hypocrisy, and it's in the church. But there's also false charges of it. So what is hypocrisy? Is this in particular something that Christians are prone to, or is there an underlying issue that we're all actually prone to? And how do we respond to this question and objection? So in our continuing series here on, on questioning Jesus, we're going to talk, take up question number five, which is the question of hypocrisy. So let's begin by talking about what Christians actually believe regarding hypocrisy. And that goes back to what Jesus taught us. And the first thing to understand regarding hypocrisy is Jesus condemns hypocrisy. Nobody hates hypocrisy more than Jesus. So notice in this text here in Matthew 23, he's speaking to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees who were kind of the heroes of the day. And he speaks and says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And he lambasts them. Jesus is pronouncing a woe on hypocrites. And in fact, if you go through Matthew 23, he pronounces a woe on their hypocrisy seven times. You know the Bible, seven's a number of completion. In other words, Jesus is saying you are completely full of hypocrisy, and in fact, the judgment of God is now complete and is going to fall on you hypocrites. Matthew 23, if you know your Bible, actually leads into Jesus at the end of it says, Oh, Jerusalem, I have longed for so long to gather you as a hen would gather its chicks, but you have refused it. You're full of hypocrisy, and so the judgment of God is going to fall. And in Matthew 24, he warns them that their temple is going to be destroyed, that, that there's going to be nothing left to them, all of which came true in 70 AD. And so no one hates hypocrisy more than Jesus. No one is more against hypocrisy than God himself. So that's the first thing we understand. So if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we can't love hypocrisy or engage in it because he does not love and does not engage, does not uh, accept it. And in fact, the people he's pronouncing the woes on proclaim themselves to be his people. That's who he's pronouncing the woes on in Matthew 23. But what Jesus does is he not only pronounces the woe on hypocrisy, he defines what hypocrisy is for us. And when I say Jesus defines true hypocrisy, it's, it's really true that he's actually doing that because the, the Greek word from which we get hypocrisy, which basically we've just transliterated it from Greek into English, it was a term that came from the theater. And it referred to actors who usually in the Greek theater, what they did is you put on various masks. So when you put the mask on, you became a different character. And people didn't know who you were. They could just see it. And so it's a theater term. And Jesus takes this and says, there are people who are actors like that, but they're doing it in real life. And, and their hypocrisy is a moral hypocrisy. They're, they're like actors, but they're not playing a stage part. They're doing this in actual life. And so he tells us several things about hypocrisy. First, he tells us hypocrisy pretends. Like an actor, you're pretending, and you're pretending to be someone you're not. Notice in verses 3 and 4. He's speaking about the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. He says, look, they sit in Moses' seat, so you've got to listen to them, because they are the authorities, and in fact, many of the things they're telling you are true. But here's the problem. Verse 3, you have to obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. We've all heard that, right? That's what hypocrisy is. You mean you don't practice what you preach. Well, we got this off of Jesus' lips. So what he says, they don't practice what they preach because, in fact, what they do is they tie up heavy loads, they put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. 
So he says, look, what they're doing, obey them. They're, they're teaching you God's law, but here's the problem. They're not doing it themselves. And they'll tell you how you need to obey God's law. And they'll, they'll have this heavy burden on your back, but they don't even lift a finger to obey God's law. They tell you to bear the burden, but they're not doing it themselves. So Jesus says they're pretending to be someone they're not. They're acting like they obey the law that they're proclaiming, but they're not even trying to obey it. He goes on, furthermore, if you, if you look down in the chapter, in verses 27 and 28, he says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. What a, what a great metaphor. You are like a whitewashed tomb. You've taken it, you've painted it up, it looks beautiful, and if I roll away the stone, the stench will knock you over. Because inside that beautiful tomb is nothing but death. Because you are full of hypocrisy. You appear one way on the outside, but what you really are is something very different. And so this is actually hypocrisy at its zenith or nadir, whichever way you want to work it, at its height or its depth. It's hypocrisy, and hypocrisy leads to death is what Jesus is telling us. So that's the first thing. Hypocrites are those who pretend, like an actor, but they're pretending to be somebody that they're not. Second thing is, hypocrisy performs. Again, like an actor, but they're performing for human approval. Notice Jesus in Matthew 23, 5 says, everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. Now, you may not remember what phylacteries are, but these were these little square boxes they had where God told them to write the word of God on your forehead and on your hand. And so they would strap them to their head and on their hand, but they made big ones. If they'd had today's technology, those suckers would have lit up that had LED lights on them. They wanted everybody to see. And mine's big because I got so much scripture memorized. That's what these guys are doing. And Jesus says, you're performing, but what you're doing is you're performing for a human audience. Can I tell you a little secret? Every human being performs. It's not a question. The question is, who are you performing for? Who's the audience that you want their approval? Are you looking for human approval, or are you looking for God's approval? Because God doesn't need to see long tassels. God doesn't need to see phylacteries. He knows what's really going on. He knows how much Scripture really has sway in your soul, regardless of whatever you show. In, in today's parlance, their cars were covered with honk-if-you-love-Jesus bumper stickers. Okay? You want me to keep meddling here for a while? You come in their house, and they got stuff hung all over the wall. They want everybody to know who they are and what they're doing. But Jesus says, but the problem is they're doing all of this so that people see it. That's what they're after. They are after a human audience. Hypocrites perform to deceive others so that they'll be more highly thought of than their true nature deserves. These guys wanted everybody to think they really loved God. But of course, they're about to kill God's own son. They wanted to be thought of in a particular way, so they acted for all the world to watch. But Jesus was there saying, you might have fooled others, but you haven't fooled me. I know who you are. You're full of dead men's bones. The third thing that hypocrisy does is it not only pretends and it not only performs for human approval, but it does all of this because it craves positions and power. When you're performing for human beings, you're doing it for what you're going to get back from those humans. So notice Jesus says in verses 6 and 7, oh, they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. 
They crave these seats of honor. This is position. They want to come in and have people say, oh, you're important. Come here and sit. They crave titles. I will never, man, do, do we do this in the church? You know the first question I got asked, when the elders, back when I was a young computer programmer, and I had a wife and four kids, and the elders called me in, and I sat down with them, and they said, um, how would you, would you consider being set in as an elder and becoming pastor in the church? And we were talking about that. There were a group of people, I'll never forget this. First question, when I said, does anybody have any questions, is first question one person asked, what do you want to be called? And I said, yeah, <laughs> Brett? It's worked really well for 33 years. Well, I think it's important. Like, and I know it's not. It doesn't make any difference what I'm called. You can give me all kinds of titles, and if I'm not living rightly before God, it makes no difference. I don't need a title. And if you respect me, then it doesn't matter what I'm called. The person did not agree with me, on my assessment, but I stand by my assessment. That's why I've never, some folks like calling me pastor, that's fine. You can call me Grand Poobah, I don't really care. Because it doesn't matter. Because are you after titles? Are you after positions? Or are you after the approval of God? And friends, those two are, are very different things. And Jesus says this is what they want. They want everybody paying attention to them. They want everybody to look at them because what they're trying to do is get people to focus on them. But what's the job of a teacher in the faith of God? It's not to get you to look at me. It's to get you to look at Jesus. And so if I'm worried about positions and power and title, what I'm doing is saying, look at me. Look at me. Don't look at the cross. Look at me. Man, when you see that, you need to get away. That is not the person you want to be with. But Jesus said that's exactly what these guys are. He goes on in verses 8 to 11 and says, gives the opposite picture. He says, but you're not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master and you're all brothers. And don't, let it, don't call anyone on earth father, for you have one father who's in heaven. Nor do you be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. The, the follower of God is supposed to be the servant of others, not trying to get them to give them titles and position and power. But boy, has the church failed on this across the millennia. We pile up titles. We pile up positions. We accrue power to ourselves, violating exactly what Jesus told us to do. And so notice the opposite of hypocrisy is being a servant to others rather than pretending and performing so that they're paying attention to you. So if I put these together, here's how I, I think Jesus is defining hypocrisy for us. This is my definition, but it's weaving together what he says. A hypocrite pretends to be someone they're not, performing for human approval so that others will think more highly of them than is deserved, often to attain a position of influence or power. Because see, I'm afraid if you know me as I am, you're not going to think of me the way I want you to think of me. And then you're not going to give me the positions and the titles and all the stuff that I want. So if I want those things, then i got to pretend to be somebody I'm not. That's where hypocrisy comes in. So with that background, then, let's talk about the, the question of hypocrisy, the, the way people do this. And as we're doing this, because we're, we're five weeks into our series here, I want to answer this if somebody's got this question there, but I want us to think about how we answer this when we're out there, because the whole point in all of this is one of the things hypocrites do is we just want to win the argument, rather than actually engaging with people and talking with them. And this question really gives the opportunity to actually engage with someone. So sometimes the question comes up like this. Why are Christians such hypocrites? And the question that needs to be asked back is, what do you mean by hypocrisy? What is meant 
by that term. If what we mean is there are some Christians who condemn others for behavior that that person's actually engaging in themselves secretly, that is hypocrisy. And you're right. And, and you have every right to not like that because, in fact, Jesus doesn't like that. And that kind of hypocrisy is harmful to other people. It is unbefitting of Christians and those who proclaim to be followers of Christ. And it undermines the gospel. And if that's what we're talking about, the only thing I can say is, I am truly sorry that the church has behaved in that manner. That there's no excuse for that, if that's what we're talking about. And there are examples of that specific thing. Okay, One of the leaders that recently has gotten in trouble, it appears that they had a standard for other people on the staff that this person did not follow. That standard being... I don't get alone with someone of the opposite sex. Uh, this person would take them out on their boat and go off and do all kinds of things. And the second I started hearing that, my, my heart just sank. That you, you have opened yourself up to all kinds of problems. And if that's the case, all we can say is we apologize. But if what we mean by that is Christians are worse hypocrites, as God defines hypocrisy, than other people, that's just simply not true. Okay, I'm, I'm not aware that Bill Cosby has particularly promoted himself as a Christian. But see, here's one of the problems. And if you listen to people, if you're a Republican, who are the worst hypocrites? Democrats. And if you're a Democrat, who's the worst hypocrites? And you know what? You're a fool if you think either one of those things. Neither one of them have a corner on the market of hypocrisy. Nor do Christians, nor do atheists, nor does any group. And you're kidding yourself if you think they do. Human beings have a corner on the market of hypocrisy. That's who has it. All of us have that problem. And so if someone means Christians in particular are hypocrites, that's just simply false. Pay attention to what's going on around you. That is not the case. For every true hypocrite, I can show you a true believer who's trying to follow Christ. And for every believer who's a hypocrite, I can show you somebody who excoriates Christianity that acts in hypocrisy. It's an equal opportunity thing. So, and if we, what we mean by hypocrisy is Christians fail and don't always live as they ought, what you are referring to there is not hypocrisy. What you're referring to is fallen humanity. And welcome to the club. Everybody does that. There is only one who has not fallen short. There is only one who has not sinned. And so that, again, is not anything particularly unique about Christians. We all fail and we all sin. And so what's underlying this that we need to understand in this discussion is hypocrisy does not refer to attempting to live up to a moral standard and then falling short of that standard. Everybody does it. I don't care what your standard is. The, the amazing thing about human beings is no matter how low and easy we make the standard, we still manage to trip over it sometimes. We just do. We, we all fall short even of our own standards. So that's not what hypocrisy is about. Hypocrisy is not about somebody saying, this is the way I aspire to live, but sometimes I fall short. That's not a hypocrite. That's a person admitting that they fall short. The hypocrisy comes in when I say, I'm aspiring to live to this standard, and when everybody watches me fall short, and I say, I didn't fall short. I I'm living that way. And everybody says, no, you're not living that way. I'm, a I'm watching you, and you are falling short of that. So the question that we really need to do and engage with one another in is the objection that's being raised, an objection really about hypocrisy, or is the problem really with God's law? My friend on Facebook, their problem was they just don't like what God's law says regarding certain human behaviors. And so they expanded it out and said, well, Christians ought to be taking care of the poor, and they're not. Well, Christians are actually taking care of the poor, and that has nothing to do with the real issue at hand. What you're really saying is you don't like these biblical laws and teachings. And I say, so that 
Let's have that conversation, not a false conversation about hypocrisy that's not what we're really dealing with. But sometimes we come back, and what we can hear is, why should I go to church? It's full of hypocrites. The church is full of hypocrites. Well, again, what do we mean? What do we mean by the hypocrisy there? What are we talking about? If we're saying, I've been in a church, and that church is full of self-righteous people who are like the Pharisees, they proclaim to be something they're not, they are only concerned with human approval, and they do not admit their own sin, then if that is the place, then I would tell you, get away from that group of people. Absolutely get away from them. Jesus doesn't want anything to do with them. But if what you're saying is, all churches are that way, you need to come out of your little dark room. Because they're not all that way. And it's not as if, well, I, I read about one one time down in Louisiana, and it wasn't that way. There are, on every corner there are churches that are not that way. That's just simply not a true statement. And again, what, what I mean is, if what I'm referring to is that, well, there are people in those churches and they sin. Well, that's true. And when I go to the grocery store, it's full of people who sin. And when I go to work, it's full of people who sin. And I work in a church. And <laughs> when, when I coached in Little League, it was really full of people who sin, let me tell you. And when I go to my house, well, it's full of two of us who sin in my house. That's everywhere. But we all still go to the grocery store. We all still go to work. If I go hang out at the docks, it's full of people who sin because that's not hypocrisy. That is sinning. So what we're talking about here is what, what do we really mean by hypocrisy? And that's the question that has to be engaged. And sometimes, I want to be clear, this is not a chance to say, aha, you were talking about the wrong thing. Sometimes people say that because they've been hurt by real hypocrisy. And if you are here and you've been hurt by real hypocrisy, a leader who proclaimed themselves to be one thing while behind the scenes, they were behaving in a completely different way. I'm not here to say, gotcha, I caught you in your words. We're here to say that was wrong. And we are deeply sorry. And those wounds need to be addressed. And if you are that person, I encourage you, please come see me. Let's set up a time and let's get together and let's talk through that. I will assure you, I'm I'm not going to play the hypocrite because I'm not going to proclaim. I'm going to be very open about who I am. And all you have to do is ask anybody who's known me longer than about 20 minutes, and they'll share with you the disappointments and, and who I am. I am what you get. What you see is what you get. That's who it is. But I will gladly hear you out regarding the pain and the hurt that has been caused. And if you're talking with friends and they've really been hurt, See, one of, the, one of the biggest things that has happened when, when you talk to people where there has been, for example, sexual abuse in the church, as bad as the abuse is the cover-up that comes afterwards. And it's that people don't listen to me. And they're so busy justifying because, but I liked that guy. Well, I know you liked his persona in public, but that's not what he was in private. And what he did was destructive and damaging and that needs to be heard friends and we need to open up and we need to be clear about that if if nothing else i mean when i was young i was kind of naive because i remember several of these things that have gone on how many of you remember the first time you heard that oj might be the guy that had killed his wife i remember i was at work when i heard that and my immediate response was not oj not the juice but I love watching that guy run a football. As if that had anything to do with what his moral character was like. And I loved watching him when he was an announcer because he seemed like a nice guy. Can I tell you, putting a mic around my face and me acting a certain way does not determine who I am. It just doesn't. Don't be fooled by that. And people have done that and then hurt people. And when that's the case, we need to hear that hurt. We need to be open. 
We need to listen. But sometimes what the statement is doing is it's reflecting an attempt to avoid the claims of the gospel. And when that's the case, we've got to continue to press the person. We've got to continue going in because, see, that doesn't resolve the real issue. If I'm hiding from something, then, then that needs to be opened up because, friends, every one of us, if we are letting even if it's a pain in the past or if it's just that I don't want to deal with the claims of the gospel and who Jesus is, it's keeping me from being who God made me to be. It's restricting my own joy in the end. And so as a friend, I don't want to see that for somebody. So let's sit down and talk about what's really going on. Are we, are we really dealing with the real issue or are we just trying to deflect it because I don't really want to talk about that. So Christians are hypocrites. Well, it's easy to throw the charge out, but which one are we really dealing with? Because see, here's the real ultimate issue, the ultimate issue for every one of us in this room. Hypocrisy is horrible. Hypocrisy is horrible. But the ultimate problem is not hypocrisy, it's sin. That's the ultimate issue, is sin. And you want to know the ultimate hypocrisy? is claiming that sin's not my problem. Doesn't matter whether you're the guy up front here with the microphone or you're a new person that just walked in, you've never even been in church before. The ultimate hypocrisy is refusing to acknowledge my own sin. See, my problem is ultimately not your hypocrisy. And your problem is not my hypocrisy. My problem is my sin. And your problem is your sin. And how we're going to stand before a holy God. Every one of us in this room, I may have never said more than two words to you, but I know this about you, you don't even live up to your own standards. Because none of us do. Every one of us, at one time or another, are shocked at our own behavior. Every one of us can't believe we said that thing, can't believe we reacted that way, can't believe we thought that thing. All of us. If, if you had every thought you had had just this past week played out on this screen right here, every one of you would be under those chairs. Not me, but you all would be, right? You all know. How sweaty do your palms get if I told you we got a, we got a tape that's going to play everything you thought, every attitude you had? We don't even live up to our own standards, much less God's. Because I got news for you. This audience is not your real problem, and it's not mine. There's a holy God, and I may have a big phylactery on my forehead, but he knows how much the Scripture's in my heart and how much it's in my life. And there's no hiding from that gaze. No hiding from that gaze at all. And that's my ultimate issue and my problem. And so the only way uh, that we have out of here is we have to recognize we're fallen, we are all tainted with sin, and the only solution is found in Christ and His gospel. Did you hear what we were singing this morning? To, my, my sin is so great, but His mercy is more. See, and the amazing thing when that song starts is it, it talks about our sin. But God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows sins you don't even know you've got. And he knows them all. But because of his mercy, he's willing to overlook them. But that only happens if we come clean. And so the only way out of this problem is not by focusing on somebody else's sins and hypocrisy, but my own. I have to open up, confess my own sin, and fully own it. This is who I am. This is what I am like. So Jesus, you remember one time, he told a parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector. This was in Luke chapter 18. And Jesus said this, he said, uh, to some who were confident of their own righteousness, and they look down on everybody else. Because see, that's what the Pharisees did. They, they, everybody else, you, know, you think you're God's people, but you're really not. That's the way they were. So Jesus tells this parable. He says, 
Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. Now, who do the people think is going to be the hero in this story? The Pharisee. And who's going to be the bad guy? The tax collector, because they were universally hated. That's what's going on. So then Jesus says this. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. We could do a whole series on what prayer is not, just from this prayer. Stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Make no mistake, what the Pharisee is saying is he's worse than what I just said. I fast twice a week, and I get a tenth of all I get. As if God didn't already know who the Pharisee was. That's his prayer. But the tax collector, Jesus goes on, stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Went home declared righteous by a holy God. Went home with his sins removed rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Same thing Jesus said in Matthew 23. Same principle is at play here. The Pharisee's focus is on the sin of the other. The tax collector's focus is on his own sin. The, the Pharisee magnifies his own righteousness and magnifies everyone else's sin. The tax collector magnifies God's righteousness and magnifies his own sin. And then he cries out to God for mercy. One commentator pointed out and said, the Pharisee barely glances at God, but just adores looking at himself. Once again, the Pharisee's in the way of the cross and says, look at me, look at me. That's what he tends to do. See, that's what the hypocrite ultimately wants to do. I remember one of my grandchildren a few years ago, we couldn't figure out why he was doing it, but every time he would start to do something, he'd say, look at me, look at me. And then we figured out it's because it's in The Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss. The cat keeps saying that, look at me, look at me, look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing. It's really funny when a three-year-old does it. It's really pitiful when we as adults do that. But that's what the hypocrite does. That's what the Pharisee does. And Jesus says, if you do that, God will look at you and you will be found wanting. But if you're smart, what you say is, look at him, look at him. Look at Jesus, look at Jesus. He stands in my place. And God says, I do look at him. And I count his righteousness as yours. Friends, that is the ultimate issue. Are we like the tax collector, owning up to our own sin, crying out for God's mercy? Or am I like the Pharisee, who wants to look and point out what others are doing? So let's apply the word and we'll come to the Lord's table. As we begin applying the word, I want to say again, and I mean this with all sincerity, I want to begin with the word for those who've been hurt. If you've been hurt by the hypocrisy of other Christians, I offer you sincere apologies. If people have preached one thing and then been another, I am sorry for that. I apologize for that. And all I can ask is please do not let the sins of Christians eclipse the glory of God and God's gospel. Because the gospel is true whether I live up to its lofty claims or not. So if you are hurt, I say we're sorry. And I encourage you again, if you would like to talk, please come, let's talk. Secondly, a word to those who are hiding behind false charges. If you're a person who's like my friend on Facebook and saying, ah, those Christians, when that's not really the issue, 
deep in your heart you know it's not the issue. And maybe it's some wound from the past. Maybe it's you just don't like God's law, whatever it is. I want to urge you, come out and come into the light. See, Jesus said when he was speaking to Nicodemus, who had come to him at night, at the end of his speech, Jesus said, this is the verdict. Lights come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light. Because they were afraid if they come into the light, their evil deeds will be exposed. So friend, if you're there and you're in that place, I would encourage you to recognize that such excuses will not excuse you before the judgment seat of God. On that day, I'm not going to stand there and say, but they, it's all going to be about me. And if I'm living in faith, it's all going to be about Jesus, not what somebody else did. So you're not saved by the integrity or the hypocrisy of Christians, but by the perfect righteousness of Christ. That is the gospel. The gospel is not about us. So I urge you, look to him for salvation. And if you're a Christian, then here's what I urge you to do. Confess and repent of sin. Because friends, every one of us at some time or another has played the hypocrite. Every one of us at some time or another has fallen short of what we're called to be and who we proclaim ourselves to be and who we are in fact hoping to be. And we have to admit that very often the behavior of the church has far too often undermined rather than promoted the gospel. And I say this, I I love the church. And I love church history. But I gotta tell you, you you remember the, the phrase of Augustine, I love the church, she is my mother, and she's a whore. Friends, that's, that's the way we are. We are unfaithful. And thanks be to God, the gospel we proclaim is not about us. It's about him. It's about Jesus and what he's done. So we have to admit that. And we are called to examine our own lives and confess and repent of sin. Have you or have I compromised God's law and then tried to cover my sin? So have, have I? Because see, this is one of the things we do. I'm struggling, I'm falling short, and so I act as if God didn't really say that. And I try to justify my behavior by defining sin down. And I just lower God's law to my own level. And God says, stop that. Confess and repent. Have I condemned in other people what I practice in myself? There are times I I listen to certain preachers and people like posting them and they do this and I start hearing a certain edge in the way they're saying things and I start getting this sick feeling in my gut because I'm like, the way he's condemning that, I got a real strong suspicion that if I go home and open up the closet, that same thing is there. And he's he's condemning it in others because he despises it in himself, but it won't come clean. So have I been doing that? If so, God says confess and repent. As I'm talking through this this morning, is the Holy Spirit putting his finger on a sin in your heart or in your life? Maybe nobody else even knows about. Is he doing that? If he is, confess and repent. Be the tax collector, not the Pharisee. We have to remember in all of this. See, one of the reasons we can come clean, very often, you know why the church covers these things up? Because if if Bay Ridge found out that Brett was stealing money or, you know, Brett was doing something with one of the people in the office, which would be really creepy because they're all guys except for my daughter. But if Brett was doing that, here's the temptation. If we expose that, oh, that's going to harm the gospel. No, it's not. It's not. Because the gospel's not about Brett. The gospel's not about Bay Ridge. The gospel was here long before we were here. And it will be here long after we're gone, should Jesus tarry. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, we do not preach ourselves but Jesus Christ is Lord. 
and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. See, our position is to stand back and point others to the cross and to be out of the picture ourselves. And the only thing we're here to do is say, how can I serve you? How can I be of help in helping you to behold who he is? So don't give in the temptation. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to come down now to the Lord's table. And as we do so, I want to remind us what we're doing here at this table. This is a table of faithfulness and forgiveness. But the faithfulness and forgiveness are on two different places. Because it's about Jesus' faithfulness, not yours and mine. If you and I were faithful, we don't need this table. But because we're not faithful, we do need the table. Because we need forgiveness. But the only reason the table is here is because he was faithful. So I want to encourage you this morning to come to the table giving thanks to God for the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, freely confessing your own sin, and then receiving God's mercy and forgiveness back to us. If you are a visitor here, you are welcome to participate with us. You do need to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, which means you need to be the tax collector, not the Pharisee. You need to be quite clear. Your only hope is the mercy of God, not what you've done. No one will stand there on that day and say, look what I did. (laughs) On that day, we're going to be saying, please don't look at what I did. Please look at what Jesus did. If that's your confession, please join in. This table is yours. For what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. So do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. And in coming to this table this morning, we proclaim that that is our only hope of salvation. Send your Holy Spirit that we might feast upon the grace of God. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As you get the elements, which we'll pass out, please hold on to them and think on the faithfulness of Christ. Think on your sin. Confess that sin to God, and then we will take together in just a couple of moments. Oh, yes, and I do want to remind you, if you are here and you need gluten-free, we have gluten-free bread in the back, and you can grab the gluten-free bread from Devin right here in the back. Just raise your hand, and he will bring it up to you. Lord Jesus Christ, this bread symbolizes your flesh, which you took when you came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In your flesh, you were completely faithful, fully obeying the commands of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you were totally faithful, you have worked salvation for your people, forgiving our many sins and covering us with your perfect righteousness. Today, we humbly receive this gift, giving thanks to you, our Father, for our Lord Jesus Christ. Take and eat. Holy Father, as our creator and sustainer, you have the right to expect perfect obedience. But our whole race has strayed, turning from you and embracing sin.
But in your great mercy, you sent your Son, who offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins, bringing us back to you. And yet, we find ourselves continuing in sin, saying one thing and doing another. Though your Spirit indwells us and prompts us to obey, so often we find ourselves resisting him and going our own way. In taking this cup, we confess our failures, but we also confess your faithfulness. And we profess our faith that the blood of Christ is powerful and cleanses us from every sin. Take and drink. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Mold us into the image of Christ. Renew our minds so that we might have the mind of Christ. Give us his desires so that we might reject lies and embrace truth. Loathe ugliness and love beauty. Shun evil and cling to good. And empower us to obey so that our lives might adorn your gospel and commend it to others. We ask all of this in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and we will conclude with a word of benediction. It's taken out of Psalm 79. Receive God's blessing. May God our Savior help us for the glory of His name. May He deliver us and forgive our sins for his name's sake. And may he form us by his spirit to aid in the spread of his gospel. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, go in the blessing of God. Amen. Amen. See you Thursday evening for prayer. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church. If you would like to support this ministry, please go to www.brcc.church and click the Give tab.